0: You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Faith, the questions or even the answers are never the point, it's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon.
1: Welcome to another round of Snarky the Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us once again this week. And in all honesty, there's really nothing to talk about this week. So you guys can just go ahead and turn away, go home. We're done. Nothing. I didn't watch any football games. I didn't Pay attention to Twitter, especially the president's Twitter this last weekend. So yeah, nothing to see here. Keep moving along. But we all know that's a load of BS. Oh my goodness. Yes, this has been another crazy week. When we begin to talk about faith and sports and politics and patriotism and all of those fun things because everyone wants those at a party, right? That's like on your checklist. Like, we need to have all these present. No, we don't. But when they all start to mix together, things get a little wonky. They get a little weird. They get a little warped. They get a little, hmm, shall we say, not right. And that's what we're going to be talking about this hour here on Snarky Faith. Uh, if you're new to the show, if you're just tuning in just listening here, Snarky Faith is an outlet. Mainly, this is my therapy, my catharsis, and you guys just happen to listen to me, uh, about how to kind of reconcile uh, faith in the face of the insanity that is Christian America. So we're going to be talking through all of the fun hypocrisy that was going on from this last weekend, because remember, remember this. Now, this is like rule number one. I'm sure it's in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights or Declaration of Independence, right? I'm pretty sure it's like in all of them. And if not, it's really strongly implied that we are a Christian nation and that our Christian values should govern church and politics. I don't know. I, I just, I lost it in the middle of that. Yeah, I can't keep, um, yeah, that my, my sarcasm streak had reached a limit because yes, this is a bunch of, this is, this is crazy. Like what the, the America that we are living in right now, we have kind of reached a fever pitch, a crazy point. And Hey, that's why I'm here. So let's go ahead and talk about it. So yes, unless you've been living under Iraq hole in the ground, uh, or living in North Korea at this moment, um, you're all fairly most probably aware um, that, well, our uh, orange messiah of a president began an assault against the NFL. Now, remember, this is the guy that brings us all together as, as a country. Wait, no, never mind. He's the guy that tries to divide us at every turn. And guess what? Uh, He did it again. So thanks. Thanks for continuing on mission there, you fat bloated piece of something I can't say on the air. Um, Yes. So essentially, uh, he, over the weekend, through many different tweets, and at one of his rallies in Alabama, which is the bastion of progressivism and free thinking and thought. um, Yeah, that Alabama. The one we all know and try to stay away from that Alabama. Yes. So Trump went after the NFL and specifically players that refused to stand during the national anthem, calling them a bunch of SOBs. Although those aren't the words he used. Um, he had said sports fans should never condone players who do not stand proudly for their national anthem or their country. The NFL should change this policy and so he continued to double down on his divisive, hateful rhetoric. I mean, I think that you could say he was doubling down on his divisive, hateful rhetoric pretty much on a weekly basis. So this is kind of part of his like his, his playbook. Um, and so as we begin to talk through this and, and talk through what and why and how far off the mark he is, We'll also talk about how far off the mark Christianity is when it comes to patriotism. Um, but first of all, let's go ahead and do this. Let's, let's just break this thing down. Let's break down this NFL thing that's going on here with Trump. Um, and this comes from an article uh, called Four Reasons Trump Thinks the NFL Players Are a Good Target uh, from CNN Politics. And, and as they begin to break down this article, um, these are the basic reasons why this is a great demographic, I guess you could call it, um, for the president to go after. Because when he goes after these folks, these are things that he uses to uh, kind of build up his base or, yeah, um, make the folks in the echo chamber happy. Um, So number one they'd had in this article was, number one is that the players are rich. Um, Trump likes to bill himself as this average guy. Which, for some reason, his base eats up. And it may be he seems like an average guy because of his low IQ and tiny vocabulary, and so it makes him seem like every man, even though if you look at everything he owns that is adorned with his name, that is covered in fake gold, all of that kind of stuff makes him not the average Joe. But he does know that the average, poor, white American may have issue with sports players making millions and millions of dollars. And so number two on this list, he's going after them because these players are playing a game. That ultimately, when we think of everyday life, most people would say sports, uh, whether it be the NBA, whether it be the NFL, whether it be Major League Baseball or soccer... Or, or any other major sport that we have out there, um, these are essentially a game in his mind. But I'll interject here, is is I think this was uh, a bad move. Not, and I know, I know, most of you out there that are listeners and kind of <laughs> understand uh, this way of thinking would say, isn't everything that Trump does a bad move, Stuart? Yes, you were right. But the one thing that he's not thinking about, the one thing that he is short-sighted about, well, never mind. There's many things he's short-sighted about. Actually, most of reality he's short-sighted about. So in this specific instance, in this specific spot, this place here, uh, when he's beginning to target them because, guess what? This is just a game, right? These guys uh, are just playing a game. Guess what? In America many people, the NFL is their church. Like, if you've ever showed up to Green Bay, Wisconsin on game day, that is their church. And and the interesting thing about sports, when you bring this into it, sports has this amazing way to kind of transcend politics. Uh, It has this amazing way to be able to bring people together. Now, 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 I will say this like you know when you begin to look at sports it still feeds into our our human nature of tribalism meaning that whoever we are our team our tribe is the best and everybody else is the enemy. I know I've had I've had friends that have worn opposing jerseys and gone to NFL games and had to leave because they had beer poured on them and were cursed out and were berated so much that it was not worth it anymore to be at that game. Yeah. Uh if you think Religion is serious in America. The NFL <laughs> football is very serious in America. And this is the thing that I think he's missing. He's thinking this is a, a this is simply just a game and he can go after this and it's going to be something that's going to win points with his base. I think it will eventually backfire on him. I think it will. It's going to backfire on him. So number three on this list, why he's going after the NFL. Uh, number three... Not surprisingly that most of the players in the NFL are African-American. Now, I know Trump had insisted when he was tweeting that this has nothing to do with race. But everything Trump does has to do with race and nationalism and populism and being able to have those disgruntled folks that live in the middle of our country um, yeah, it's all about them. It's all about him playing to his base. Because guess what? That's what he does. He has these rallies. He has these rallies on a regular basis. Why? Because he needs it. He needs to pump his ego. And number four on their list is that Trump can paint this as a battle for patriotism. And that's, we're going to focus on a lot of that today. Uh, you know, all of this began back with Colin Kaepernick, who was the starting quarterback for the 49ers. Who decided to kneel before a game? Kneel during, uh, well, the Pledge of Allegiance, the Star-Spangled Banner, because he was concerned about all of the deaths uh, that African American men were receiving at the hands of police. About police brutality. This, this was about injustice. This started as, as a, as a ploy for injustice. And now I don't really care what you think about Kaepernick. Whether you like him or don't like him, um. He was taking a stand. He was taking a stand for something he believed in and something that he cared about. And if you continue to look at this from when Kaepernick started, it was like, I believe it was over a year ago towards now. um, Has police brutality against African-American men changed? Let me think. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. White cops continue to get off um, after they have murdered people. And yes, that is a problem that Kaepernick was trying to highlight, and that problem is still there today. And what Trump is going to do with this, he's going to use this idea of the flag, that you either support, you either kiss the ring, you either pledge, or, guess what? You're not American. Again, he's dividing so he can continue to move in the way that he is moving. Now, we have seen this. We have seen players. We've seen all sorts of people called out Trump's behavior against this. There were mass protests at NFL games, and it was beautiful. Um, from the early game that was in London uh, to the rest of the games, you saw teams in solidarity standing against the threats that this guy was making. And I'm not even going to talk about the the ethical issues that the presidency is telling the teams to fire players that don't do something. That's a whole other ethical argument that we're not even, we don't have time to talk about today. But it's one that I wanna note nonetheless. The fact that the president is actually telling businesses, I know we call it a game, but guess what? Uh, the NFL is a huge lucrative business, and he is telling business owners to fire players. So the president of the United States, the guy that's supposedly the leader of the free world, Uh, that's, that's usually what we used to call the president. And probably it's now like Angela Merkel in Germany who seems to be leading the way, seems to be more of a bright light towards the rest of the world than our dim orange bulb that we somehow still have to call president. But he still is president, nonetheless. Now, many will say he's unhinged, and I think that they are justified in calling him unhinged. Many will say he's demented or has dementia, and I would say many are justified in saying that as well, too. But the insidious nature of all of this, and, and this is where, this is where, the only place that I can say that Trump sometimes has a small amount of logic here. So why? Why all of a sudden would Trump start going after the NFL? Like, why? Like, why not a few weeks ago uh, at the beginning of the season? Why, why now? well, We can only look back towards his past week. We see the Mueller investigation heating up and ramping up. We see the fact that Jared Kushner and Paul Manafort and other members um, of his administration were using, we found this out, was using private emails, their own private emails, to do the business of the White House, which ironically, was Trump's big drumbeat against Hillary was these private emails. And I know that they are not probably using their own email servers, but that they are still conducting White House business off of major government uh, websites and email addresses there. Why would they do that? Why? Well, typically when people do stuff like that, it means they have something to hide. He's coming off of a bad week uh, where he was ridiculed for his... I'm not even sure how to say what it was, what he did when he was speaking to the UN. Um, unhinged, crazy, warmongering. Um, I mean, the, I I don't know. I mean, there's there's many other words I I can't use on the air that I would I would refer to how he was kind of calling out and prodding Kim Jong Un to do this. Which again, in the back of my head, there's this like small little thing that keeps saying is that he's trying to continue to push for war against North Korea. Why? Because it will make us not even think about the Russia investigation. It's, it's, again, whether he's going after the NFL, whether he's going after North Korea, this is a distraction tactic. This is something to distract the media and the news sources out there from really focusing in harder on what's actually happening with his ongoing investigation. He's doing this on purpose. Now, is he doing this wisely? Is he smart about this? No, he's Trump. He's not going to do anything like what? Well thought out. Uh, yeah, he doesn't do that. That's not his thing. He is kind of the angry guy that tends to scream at people. He's kind of like your drunk uncle on Thanksgiving. The guy that just spews hateful rhetoric and everyone kind of just sits back and just waits for him to pass out. Uh, That's the president that we have. That's the reality that we have. He doesn't want us to think about how the latest attempt to repeal and replace Obamacare is failing. He doesn't want us to focus on the Russia investigation. He doesn't want us to focus on, well, (laughs) all of the White House officials that have been using private email addresses to communicate. Uh, He doesn't want us to focus on that. So he's going after a softball target in his mind. And what I'm going to tell you is, I don't think it's going to work. Now, what it does is it dominates news cycles Sunday, Monday, and will as well Tuesday. And we begin to see that. And so this thing, I, mean, I feel like this is, this is it, it's like he's a really bad magician. You know what I'm talking about? Like the whole sleight of hand idea is the, where the action is happening that you're seeing. That's not where the trick is happening, that is a distraction tactic. And the real thing is happening in the other hand of the magician, uh, the one that he's getting you to not look at. That's how quote unquote magic works. Now with Trump, he's not that intelligent. He's not that smart. And when he's going after these tactics, they're pretty much right out there for us to look at. But the sad fact is, We respond to social media. We respond to news. We respond to it in a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, We respond to it in a way where we don't necessarily think before we respond. And if we were to take a moment and delegitimize this stupid, this ignorant rhetoric that he has going against the NFL of all people, of all places, of all institutions, yeah, He's doing this specifically for a reason. So guess what, folks? Don't be fooled by this. And what I want to talk about this hour, the meat of what we want to get into, is talking about patriotism and the church. And why do I bring up the church after I talked about the president and after I talked about the NFL? Well, this whole thing is this thinly veiled idea of patriotism. And if you look at his base, if you look at the folks that that pushed him over uh, the hump into winning the presidency, uh, the vast majority of those folks were white evangelical Christians that did that. And they are feeding into what he is giving them. They are loving this. They are standing behind this because they are so ignorant they're so blind and their heads are so far up their asses they can't even read their bibles anymore that's where they're at and they are the reason that he's doing this they are the reason that he's going to alabama of all places and even at his rally in alabama he had said that if he didn't win the presidency he would consider he was considering moving to alabama or kentucky because that's where people retire that's where people choose to go no when you talk about states like like kentucky alabama mississippi arkansas those kind of places those are the places where people feel stuck and they just try to do life in very rarely do you have someone going like oh i found my dream place oh i found where i want to go live it's arkansas that's exactly where it is no nobody says that nobody says that And you only would say that if you're already stuck there and you're just trying to pass off the fact that you're friggin' stuck there and you can't get out. Uh, Because yes, those are places that no one in their right mind would choose to live in. And why did he say that? Because he lies. Because when his mouth is moving, you can just assume that he's lying or that he's full of shh, and that's as far as I can go on the radio. That's what we can count on. That when the hot air is coming out of that man, whether it be through his mouth or his ass, that it is simply just all a load of crap. And we have to stop with the knee-jerk reactions that we all have, the, the outrage that we feel. We have to stop. And we have to be able to kind of take a breath, even meditate, meditate for 30 seconds, and ask ourselves, why? Why is he saying this? Why now? Why is he going after this? Because simply this there's, there's two reasons that Trump speaks every time. It's simply to talk about himself and make everything about him. That's like 90% of the time. Or secondarily, it's to throw us off of the crap that's going on in the White House. That's it. Yep. He's either pulling off what, uh, The mooch told us that Steve Bannon could do and simply, what is it, uh, yeah, performing fellatio on himself, metaphorically speaking, because he's too fat to do that on his own. He's either doing that or he's playing defense. And if you've ever watched a football game that, well, on a team that has a terrible defense, they will posture up, they will try to do stuff, But ultimately, they will fail. And we have to act like we are more intelligent than he is. Because we are. But emotionally, we don't always respond that way. Emotionally, we respond like small children or angry individuals, which is essentially who he is. He's an angry small child that has never been told no. That's what happens when you tell your kids that their crap smells good, and that everything about them is wonderful and beautiful, and oh, your hair looks great and wonderful. Yeah, that's the problem with that. He's out of control. He's a narcissist. But remember, what did I tell you? He's either performing self-fallatio, verbally speaking, or he's throwing up a cloud of dust so you don't notice what he's doing. It's as simple as that. Now, let's talk about where Christianity fits into this. So when talking about faith in the realm of Trumpiness, these two quotes stuck out to me that that I I read recently over the weekend. And one of them was, this is by Mark um, Sandlin. And he said, as a Christian minister, I'd much rather see someone kneeling in public to raise awareness of racial and social issues than see someone kneel in public to pray. I simply... It's, I'm sorry, it's simply more Christian. That was by Mark Sandelin, And this other quote was by Michael Frost in the Washington Post. And it, he said, It seems to me that Tim Tebow and Colin Kaepernick represent two very different forms of American Christianity. Um, and not just in America. Um, in many parts of the world, it feels as though the church is separating into two versions. One that values personal piety, gentleness, respect for cultural mores, and an emphasis on moral issues like abortion and homosexuality. And another that values social justice, community development, racial reconciliation, and political activism. So when I begin to hear this, I think that there is a bunch of wisdom. There's a bunch of wisdom that can be garnered from these, that can be gathered from these, that we can pull out. And, and this, this reminds me, this is years ago. Um, yes. It may surprise you to know I've had different blogs over the years, and I've gotten in trouble for <laughs> writing my blogs over the years. And this one I wrote back when I was a, I was a youth minister, and I'd written about how, um, and now many of you may not know this, but they have this event uh, every year called See You at the Pole. Now, that may seem like a great marketing attempt for strippers, Uh, in America. And hey, if you've got strippers out there, um, hey, remember, you can run this. See you at the poll. That would kind of be a fun counter thing that you would advertise to folks. I'm sorry. Uh, That was a total aside there. No, see you at the poll is this idea that you would have high school students, middle school students show up at their flagpole and stand for a day or a moment of prayer before the bell rings at school. And I began to, I wrote about how Especially Jesus talked about this. He talked about not praying in public just to be seen, but that really what matters is what's in our heart and what matters is in our deeds and our actions and what we're doing. And that events like these, these kind of public events, Um, really end up just making us seem more pious, much like Michael Frost was talking about. And we begin to see that divide between the Colin Kaepernicks and the Tim Tebow's of the world. We have Tim Tebow who would kneel and pray before every game, and Christians applauded him. Yes, yes, you're so wonderful. We're so glad you're not playing anymore. Great. Uh, But you are our NFL savior, right? This was like Jesus come to play in the NFL with Tebow. I have no issue with Tebow, though I do think he is... A little preachy to say it light. No, he's extremely preachy and kind of shoves it in people's face. You yeah, see, that doesn't really do anything. What Kaepernick was doing, Kaepernick was actually standing up for something that was happening. He was standing up for injustice. Now, many people have different feelings about Kaepernick. Um, Kaepernick, the activist, and Kaepernick, the player. Um, and those are two kind of different folks. And, and it's oftentimes what we argue about that they tend to blur themselves together. But I think... These kind of instances, the Tebos and the Kaepernicks, begin to show us this huge divide in what American Christianity looks like, what American Christianity looks like in the face of these, this divide, this divide that tells us we do things publicly to seem more pious and more holy. And is that Christianity, or do we do stuff that costs us our starting job? Do we do stuff that costs something of us that, that in all honesty, sounds a little bit more like Jesus? And why does it remind me of Jesus? Well, this reminds me of, uh, it's Matthew 16, uh, 24, when Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will find it. And what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And I think this verse has oftentimes been interpreted that we need to lay our lives down for our faith. We need to somehow, as American Christians have taken this, step into persecution that we cause on our own. And then we can say, oh God, look at me, I'm being persecuted because essentially I was just being an insensitive a-hole to people. Yeah, that's kind of how it's been translated and walked out. But here's what I think that Jesus is talking about here. Here's what he's going after. I don't think he's necessarily talking about dying dying for the cause. Now, if we look at his followers, his disciples, many of them were martyred. Many Christians have been martyred over the centuries. So I'm not saying that those folks didn't, weren't fulfilling the gospel as they were walking this out. But what I am saying is this. Um, we live in a culture today where it means something more to lose face in public that almost it does to die. Think about this. Like you've seen celebrities, they will say something horrible on camera. Uh, they will talk about grabbing someone's pussy in a bus. Uh, wait, no, that one doesn't work because he became president after saying this. Okay, never mind. But you look at other folks that have done something, they've had a terrible moment in culture. And because of it, they've been literally crucified. I'm not saying the Mel Gibson's of this world are walking out the narrative of Jesus. I'm trying to say, this is how culture works right now. And so sometimes you standing up for something, sometimes you taking a knee, sometimes you making a stand in that way will cost you a job. I mean, if you look at Colin Kaepernick, and I'm not saying Colin Kaepernick is Jesus, I'm not saying Colin Kaepernick, I have no idea where his faith is. I'm not even commenting on that. But what we begin to see here is it's this kind of social... Persecution that happens when you do something. When you do something that may make the money brokers, the money makers in culture, a little uncomfortable, they will try to shut you up and push you out. They don't want it. They don't like it. It's not good for business. Social media works the same way. If you say something that that not everyone loves, you can be ostracized. And so, what I'm saying here, I'm not telling you that Jesus is telling people to go out and be a bunch of jerks on, on social media. I'm telling you quite the opposite. What I'm telling you is simply this, is is that the walk of a Christian, that the life of a Christian, that that in order to be able to kind of step into and embody the teachings of Jesus, it means that you are going to do something that costs something of yourself, costs something of your life. It could be time, it could be money, it could be social status, it could be any of these things. It could be your job. Uh, and to tell you the truth, uh, me standing up for ethics and morals and what I believe my faith to be has cost me many a job um, in my life. And when I say cost me, it doesn't mean I've been fired everywhere. It means I eventually get to the point of saying, hey, this church, the way things you're doing here, feels a little amoral, feels a little not right, feels a little like a business and actually not like the kingdom of God. Yeah, those places, yeah, those are the places that I have come to the place of saying, I need to quit. I can't be around this. My soul. My soul hurts if I continue to be here. Like, the ethical values I have in my brain hurts if I continue to be here. Uh, For the things that I like to preach and teach to my kids, if I continue to do this thing here, it will denigrate who I am to my kids and who I am to the people that I care about. So I think honesty, I think authenticity, I think... Feeling that we are called to do something, that we are called to call out um, injustice in our culture. Those are the hallmarks of people that follow after Jesus, even though the American church tends to lean towards power, money, comfort, and pretty much living in a way where you don't sacrifice anything tangible for the kingdom of God. You are just doing this simply because it makes you feel good. I have gone and checked off the box. I'm a good Christian. Somehow God is stupid. But yeah, guess what? I showed up for church. He must be happy with me. I fooled everybody. (laughs) Yeah, that kind of BS. It goes on. And we begin to look at stuff. I would say, in many ways, And I'm going to be in trouble for this because this is slightly an inflammatory statement that it's just coming off the top of my head right now. But I would say in many ways, Kaepernick taking a stand and losing his job because he believes in something seems a lot more Christian than Tebow losing his job. Not because he prayed, not because he was preachy, uh, but really because he wasn't that good. But Christians will say that Tebow lost his starting job because he was too Christian. He was too preachy. He was too out there. He was too trying to spread the message, and that is the problem with evangelical Christianity. They feel like they are in the midst of a culture war. Uh, they want to bring things back to the uh, greater days, the the days gone by, the past, and whatever that means, you know, which fits into the whole "make America quote unquote great again." Um, that ideal, it's, it's, it's really bad logic. I'm not even talking about how it gets walked out in practice. It's really bad logic. So when was America great? When when was that moment in time where everything was right with the world? America was great. It was doing everything that they were supposed to. It was good. It wasn't oppressing people. It wasn't taking advantage of people, all that kind of stuff. So when when was this moment in history where America was great? Was it when it was founded? So let's ask the Native Americans, how'd that go for you guys? Did you feel like America was great back then? Yeah, they're going to say no. Uh, let's talk about uh, bringing slaves from Africa over here. Was any moments uh, between then and the civil rights movement, or now uh, with the police shooting African Americans, was that like any time between somehow the Native Americans and then slavery? And now, when was it great? When was it great? Was it great when we all felt more Christian because we like to feel? Chris? I don't even know what that means. It's a meaningless statement, but I know it brings people to that place in their hearts that where it feels like nostalgia. It does. It's like when I hear people say, This just doesn't feel like Christmas anymore. What the hell does Christmas feel like? What does that even mean? That doesn't mean anything. I mean, it it means that somehow you have these traditions that makes you feel what Christmas is and what Christmas is supposed to be because Christmas is in the Bible. It's all over the Bible, right, people? It's in there. It's in the. Actually, no, no. Nowhere does God tell us to even give two craps about Christmas. But instead, The Christians will go off and saying that there's a culture war and there's a war on Christmas. Just wait. We're almost in that season. Uh, Yes. So we will attack the NFL. Then we're going to attack, oh, anyone that's making Christmas less Christmassy. Oh, no, we'll get there. So, yeah. So let's start talking about what does patriotism look like? What does patriotism look like to evangelical Christians? And how can we go ahead and dissect this and flip it on its ear? So I know that Trump is saying that a player that doesn't stand, a player that kneels, a player that sits during the national anthem because the national anthem was there from the very beginning and the Pledge of Allegiance was there from the beginning. Right? 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 Wasn't that in the Constitution that we have to do that? Hmm. <laughs> Yet, yeah, no, it's not. No, it's not. And this comes from uh, penlive.com and they wrote this. since I thought this was kind of funny um, in light of Trump being able to say that we're disrespecting the flag. Let's talk about how else we disrespect the flag. Um, And they had 14 ways. I probably won't go through all of them. Uh, But a lot of this has been going through what is the flag code. We have a U.S. flag code that has rules for respecting the American flag. And guess what? In those rules, kneeling and standing or standing uh, during the national anthem, it's not mentioned. It's not in there. It's not even in there. Now, when we begin to see these Trump rallies and protests and everything else, um, we see all of these things. We see people wearing flag shirts, flag pants, because they're so fashionable. Uh, We do love wearing stars and stripes. But guess what? Um, In the flag code, uh, the flag should not be used for wearing apparel, bedding, or drapery. Or... We can even do this. It's not even supposed to be used to drape a platform or for any decoration in general. The only way, the only place in that code gives you exception is that you are allowed to put the flag on someone's coffin. Yeah, that's actually in whatever our flag code is. Um, also, the flag should not be drawn back or bunched in any way all the bunting and things that people put up during the holidays that kind of smoosh smashes the flag. No, you can't do that. Can't do that. Um, yeah, you can never use it as a covering, um, for a ceiling. So have you ever seen people with flags on their ceilings that up there? Nope. Can't do that. Um, The flag should never be used for any advertising purpose. It should not be embroidered, printed on, or otherwise impressed on such articles as cushions, handkerchiefs, napkins, boxes, or anything intended to be discarded after temporary use. Advertising signs should not be attached uh, to the staff or the Halyard. So when we think of this, think of this, think of 4th of July. Anyone ever eaten off of a star-spangled plate? Wipe their mouth with a star-spangled napkin? Or taken a swig in a star-spangled plastic cup? That's all not allowed. But still, kneeling during the Pledge of Allegiance, kneeling during the Sparge Spangled Banner, nah, it's not in the book. So, uh, anyone ever seen people wear it as a costume, wear it as a shirt, wear it as a scarf, or even a tie? Yeah, that's a big no-no. Can't do that. You can't do that. The only way that you can wear it um, is a flag patch that military personnel firefighters, police officers, or members of patriotic organizations can wear. A patch. Patch. Not an ugly ass shirt that you wear that goes with nothing. Um, so they also have this. The flag should never have any mark, insignia, letter, word, number, figure, or drawing um, of, of any kind placed or attached to it. Eagles? No. Out of there. Uh, the words? USA? Mm-mm. No. Out of there. Doesn't fit. Can't be there. Not at all. Um you can never use the flag as a receptacle for receiving, holding, carrying, or delivering anything. Can't. Um, Anyone seen flags on cars? On the hoods of cars? Tops, sides, backs of cars? License plates? Nope, that's a big no-no too. It cannot be done unless you are part of a motorcade. And I think most of you out there that have uh, these delightful bumper stickers, these delightful decals in your cars, guess what? Can't do it? Mm Mm-mm. Not in the flag rules. So which rules are we going to take? Donald Trump's rules or the official U.S. flag code? Yeah. So, also, if a flag is being used at a public or a private estate, it should not be uh, hung unless at half-staff or when an all-weather flag is displayed during rain or violent weather. So I remember growing up, we had this guy... Again, you know he's fun at parties that was not a veteran but would had a flagpole in his front yard. And that flag sat there day in, day out, year in, year out. And never moved. Yeah, that, that kind of thing that's showing patriotism. Actually, that, that's a big no-no. That's kind of a big no-no for patriotism. Mm-mm. Um, and guess what? We're back to talking about the NFL and their shows of patriotism or pretty much... Anytime we see stuff during sports events, yeah, the flag is not supposed to ever be carried flat or horizontal, but always aloft and free. When you see it stretched out over uh, a football field, yeah, that's a no-no. It's only supposed to be up, right? That's how it is. So after we've picked this apart, after we've talked about how stupid all of this is, and how that we have somehow made patriotism, much like Christianity kind of has made the Christmas season. Um, and then marketers took it over. But we've made this somehow about being an American patriot. You're not a good American unless you stand for this. Actually, no, none of that. All the stuff that we're reading here about the flag, yeah. it's Not in the rules. It's not in the code book, people. But nonetheless, it caters to Trump's base. So here's the point where I begin to talk about why Christianity and patriotism begins to become a sickness. Uh, when folks, especially the evangelicals, can no longer see the difference between God and country. And I remember growing up, I grew up in a Baptist church where during the 4th of July, you would hear people singing the Star-Spangled Banner from the choir at church or America the Beautiful, My country tis all of those kind of things. We would see that in church. People would come out showing their patriotic flair on a Sunday morning worship service. So let's go ahead and even just simply dissect. So you're going to a Sunday morning worship service where the intent, even though I have issues with this, um, but I'm just pulling apart logic here. The intent is to be able to worship God, but we're singing, My country tis of thee. So, who are we worshiping from the choir as we all sing this together in conjunction? Are we worshiping God? Are we worshiping country? Which one? Which one? You can't have both. You can't have both. It doesn't work that way. And then on top of it, I remember even as a kid being weirded out by the facts that all of, all of the Baptist churches that I grew up in would always have the American flag in the church and its counterpart, the Christian flag. Don't knock it, but you probably should. Um, because even as a kid, we would, pledge allegiance to the flag. We would pledge allegiance to the Christian flag. We would pledge allegiance to the Bible. I'm not joking. There were pledges to all of these. I think, let me see if I can. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. Let it be a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, and something else without that. Or I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and for the Savior for who it's something. I don't know. One brotherhood uniting all Christians in service and in love. Kind of got it. Really, a bad Christian uh, for somehow not remembering these these things, and that were of course laid out by God in the Bible. Um, no, none of that happened. None of that happened. But they still do that kind of indoctrination. And I want to kind of talk through a little bit. This is from Christ in Pop Culture, and it's an article called "The Separation of Church and Patriotism." And when you begin to look at this, and the art, article is quite good, and they start off by talking about how, um, how certain churches are now starting to not fly American flags in the church or in front of the church and not sing patriotic songs. Good. That's a good step there. I mean, because ultimately, if you really think about like, just the nature and logic and ethics of the whole situation, it's kind of weird. Like, It's kind of weird that a place of worship has American flags, that we sing American uh, songs to our country, in a place where we are supposed to be praising and worshiping God, there's a huge flaw in the logic here. There's, there's, there's a fly in the ointment. There's something wrong here with that. Um, because, yeah, God does not tell us to worship our country. That's pretty much un-Jesus-y. And, and their points in this article are simply this. and I'll read some of these. So first, uh, the Church of Christ gathers to honor Christ and only Christ which is probably the most distinct way to say that I've been saying for a long time. They say that he is Lord of all. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Nothing ought to distract us from that. The United States, Canada, whatever country you live in will cease to exist as national enmities the moment Christ returns. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Um, Because again, we're getting into end times BS. And yeah, but I do agree with that part of it. Um, that when we begin to look at this, that our allegiance, and I know I say this, I feel like it's every week, that our allegiance as a Christian to follow out the ways and the teachings of Jesus are to follow out the ways and teachings of Jesus. And those things have nothing to do with national pride, nationalism, or any of this other Trumpism that we have going on right now. So when you begin to follow this man blindly, and amen, when he says something weird and misogynistic and uh, hateful, yeah, you've got a problem with your faith. You've got a problem because guess what? You would rather be a part of the evangelical Christians that say that, hey, we love God on his throne because God kicks ass and takes names just like our military. But that's not the God of the Bible. That's not Jesus. That's not any of that. So I'm going to go ahead and say this. I'll just kind of draw a line in my sand. Which one do you want? Evangelical conservative Christians out there, which one do you want? You want God or do you want country? Which one? No, we want both. We can have both because it's all about order because it's God first and then it's country. And it says, no, 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 no. Um, we're at a place in life where in many ways we've evolved. Uh, we have technology that is amazing and incredible and continues to push forward. There's medical breakthroughs. I mean, we we are at an exciting time, but guess what? We are also at a very stupid time. We're at a time where Our lives are so intertwined with so many different things that for you to say, well, it's God first, country second. I'm going to tell you, you can't tell the difference. You can't tell the difference. And you like following a God that really kicks ass like your country would or should. And has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. You've created your own kingdom of God that somehow patriotism fits very nicely and neatly inside of. And you want to follow that out, and you may say the name Jesus, and you may say all this other stuff, but guess what? You're not following Jesus with that. You're not. This is something that's completely diametrically opposed to what you want. Um, And the article that goes on to say, too, it says, secondly, the goal of the church is to be multinational and multi-ethnic. So if you think about the Christian church, the global church, the people that would say that I'm following after Jesus, guess what? They are not all Americans. Actually, by and large, they are not a majority Americans. No, they are from other countries. They are from other ethnicities. They speak different languages. They have different skin colors. That is the beauty of the kingdom of, the God, of God. It is that we are supposed to be this beautiful, eclectic group of people that is trying to make the world better, not divide, not condemn, not be legalistic, and not be judgmental. Um, Because, guess what? Conservative Christians don't want to think of the church being multiracial, multinationalistic, multiethnic. They don't. They're only comfortable when they're doing mission trips Overseas, where they can go and help those poor people that have different skin colors. I'll go there for a week. Oh, look what I've done to forward the kingdom. Yes, it's another bit of delusion that the American church feeds its congregations. If you do this, oh, look at what you've done. You showed up on church on a Sunday. Oh, look at what you've done. And I'm not going to quote a Taylor Swift song, but essentially, yes, look what you've made me do is kind of what the American Christian industrial complex has made of it. It all seems like church. It all seems like Jesus-y, but it's not. It's a product. It is a product. Because guess what? And this may be hard for American Christians to hear this. When we're all getting a hard-on for, not us all, but when you guys are getting a hard-on for uh, annihilating North Korea, are you sure? I mean, beyond the fact, beyond the humanitarian fact, I'm not even boiling it down to that, which that is just, that is catastrophic that people are praising this idea that we want to blow them off the face of the earth. That is so unchristian. I'm not even going to comment on that. But guess what? There's Christians in North Korea. Are you fine with taking out everybody? I mean, I'm just applying to that small amount of logic. I'm not even talking about the fact of, are you fine with essentially wanting to drop a nuke on... And kill millions of people? That And how does that fit into your faith? I don't even know how you justify or delude yourself into thinking about this. Yes. But continuing back to this article, uh, they, uh, they say here that third, the mixture of patriotic fervor with worship is very concerning. Jesus doesn't, didn't salute the American flag. We are not his pet favorite country. And believe it or not, some of our national policies are abhorrent to him. Some, and this is me, some, 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 Um, but they continue to say, just look at our country's checkered past from its atrocious treatment of Native Americans to the horrors of slavery and more recently abortion. Uh, When we mix patriotic fervor with worship, we make it difficult to raise serious questions about our wars um, and our laws. Christians ought to be able to ask the questions and say, the justness of the recent wars of Afghanistan and Iraq without having fear of losing commun- communion with the church, but if our worship continues unequally yoked with the American patriotism, then the criticism of our country runs the risk of being construed as criticism of the church and that is the main point of what I'm getting at now our country has nothing to do with the church now when I speak of church I'm sorry let let's talk about this and I don't even like trying to say things like this but All right, when we talk about the church, there is the brick-and-mortar building that you see on the corner that has lame parties and tries to invite you to potlucks. That's like the brick-and-mortar physical building church. Now, when I talk about kind of the overall global church of what it would look like of simply just people that are trying to live out and follow the ethics and teachings of Jesus, that's what I would kind of call church. And I've heard people say this, and I don't like the answer. There's like the little C church, which is brick and mortar, and the big C church, which is kind of the church universal. Um, yeah, that's problematic. That's problematic when we can't see the differences between the two. And I know that's half the reason we do this show. That's, that's actually more than half the reason we do this show is to be able to tell people, you say that's church, guess what? I know they use that word. It's not. So ultimately... As I begin to wrap up here, what I want to tell you is do not be fooled. Do not be fooled by what Trump is doing. Do not be fooled that somehow patriotism and faith are intertwined because they are like oil and water. They serve two distinctly different masters. They have two distinctly different outcomes and goals. They do not go hand in hand. And when they do, when they do, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that materialism, the materialistic church will win when they go hand in hand because it is powerful and it doesn't seek to be self-sacrificial because that's just not sexy. And right now, the American church only cares about being sexy and trying to play to their audience and preach to the choir. And that is the sad state where they were in. So, for you out there that are looking for different answers, protest. Protest. Stick up for those that need to be stuck up for. Be a voice for those that are marginalized. Do what is right, regardless of the cost. Walk out your faith with fear and trembling, but also with grace and peace and compassion. Because guess what? That's what Jesus would do. And I will go ahead and say this. Jesus does not identify with the American church. I think by and large, it was much like the church back in his day that he was raging against. And that's where we find ourselves, where there's the church and there's Jesus. And you can't have both. So thanks so much for hanging out with me this hour. Um, I do appreciate it. I do appreciate our listeners. I appreciate those that that call in and write in um, to me. Uh, If you want to speak back, if you want to tell me I'm wrong, if you want to tell me I'm right, if you want to send me interesting articles, questions at snarkyfaith.com. That is how you get in touch with me. We're also on Facebook, Twitter. If you feel particularly... Generous, Go over on iTunes and give us a five-star rating. It keeps us up in the rankings so more people can hear about this, hopefully a bit of sanity in the sea of insanity that is Christianity. I did not mean for that to rhyme, but kind of worked out there. So that's all I got this week, and I will catch you guys again next week. Thanks so much for being part of this journey. I can't do this without you guys. I'm out of here.
0: Wcom is listener-supported community radio, and Snarky Faith is only possible through our sponsors. Aqueduct Conference Center was established in 1978 as a peaceful destination for small group meetings, special events, conferences, retreats, and weddings. For more information, go to www.aqueductcc.com We are also sponsored by Lumen. Lumen, a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question-askers, Doubters and Skeptics is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be better than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com.